Well, we have reached the conclusion of another calendar year. Tonight, some of you are going to gather with friends and family and uh, ring in a new year. Others of you um, are going to find a ball drop video on YouTube and show it to your kids at 7 (laughs) o'clock. And you're going to try to be asleep by 8 or 8.30. I'll tell you, that's the plan at my house. Uh, One of our neighbors invited us over and I said, Ah, I'm sorry, I already have plans. My plans are sleep. Um, Because we have an eight-week-old in our house. Uh, So however you celebrate tonight, um, I hope it is a good time for you. Hey, 2023 might have been a really great year for some of you. We might have had some really awesome moments. You know, maybe <clears throat> retirement. Anybody retire this year? Yeah, <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah she's excited. <clears throat> some of you got married this year. Some of you welcomed a new addition into your family. Some of you took uh, that bucket list vacation. I look at Angela over there. Um, Some of you got a new job or a promotion at work. It's been a great year. The Texas Rangers won the World Series. She said that. I didn't say that. Um, But the reality is some of you might have had a harder year. There were some challenges. Unexpected loss of a loved one. Strained family relationships. Maybe a loss of work. Inflation's (laughs) doing a number on all of us. You know, I saw uh, and I read an article that said, Homeowners insurance in Texas went up 22% this year. That's twice the national average. It's been challenging for some of us, most of us, financially, probably all of us. But whether you've had a great year or whether you've had a harder than usual year, in 12 hours and 32 minutes, according to that clock, 2023 is over and 2024 begins. And with a new year, people like to do New Year's resolutions. They might like to make New Year's wishes. They like to set out goals and plans for their lives. If that's you, that's great. But I only have 20, probably two minutes left up here. And so what I want to do is I want to give you something from God's word that you can hopefully hold on to that will encourage you, not just today and tomorrow, but all of 2024. So you have your copy of God's word. I would encourage you to turn to Psalm chapter 63, Psalm 63. I think there's Bibles in front of you, but also we'll have it on the screens so you can follow along. Psalm 63. And in my Bible, there's a title before the Psalm starts, and it says, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. See, this is based off of uh, 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 17. Absalom, which is David's son, has decided that he wants to be king. And so he has tricked some people into following him. And because of that, David has run away, fearing for his life. 
he also, his trusted counsel, Ahithophel, had betrayed him. We even see this um, in Psalm chapter 41, verse 9, when David laments, when he says, Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. So in Psalm 63, David is in the wilderness of Judah, and he's in the wilderness both physically and spiritually. Physically, he was on the run with his life and his kingdom in danger, but spiritually, he was separated from the temple of Jerusalem. So he's physically and spiritually in the wilderness. And when he is, he writes this psalm. He writes this song to God. Let me read it for us now. <clears throat> oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live and in your name I will lift my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. In the shadows of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped." So again, I hope this psalm is an encouragement to you today. In my Bible, I have a, a little note at the bottom, and it says the psalm opens up as if it were a lament, seeking God in a time of trouble. Yet the overall flow of this song is one of confident expectation. Confident expectation. Let's take a look at David's physical condition. So he's in the desert, and he says that he is thirsty. He's in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So physically, he's thirsty. But it's his spiritual, the state of his spirit that he really talks about. He says, hey, even though I'm thirsty, it's my soul that longs for you. And when he was separated, he's in the wilderness physically and spiritually. He is separated from temple worship in Jerusalem. He's unable to go and worship God in the temple with other believers. And that has impacted him more than physically the, the thirst. Now, I don't know about you. I have never been so thirsty in my life that I'm desperate for water. I don't know what that's like. But for David to be so desperately thirsty that he doesn't even focus on the physical needs that he's dealing with. He's just focused on the spiritual needs. We, we've played this video um, a few times already, and we're going to play it again during the closing, but it's, it's kind of the, the framework for our BC24 initiative. And, and Paul Tripp talks about in the middle of the already but not yet. And if that's a phrase that you're not really sure what that means, I would love to dive into it right now. I, I don't have the time to do that, but I would encourage you, find a minister, find a lead pastor, find a Bible study teacher, ask them what that phrase is. Hey, keep hearing this phrase, already but not yet. What is that? You need to know. But Paul Tripp says that, our, that in between the already but not yet, God has given us two gifts. The first gift that he has given us is his word. 
The second gift that he has given us is the corporate gathering of believers in worship. It's a gift. And David knows that and he misses it. He's desperate for it. I think we can all kind of understand where David's coming from. It was almost four years now, which is crazy to think. But there was a time we weren't able to go and gather at the temple, sort of say, right? We were not allowed to gather corporately on a Sunday morning for worship. And some of you, your souls were thirsty for that. And I wasn't here with you, but I know that that first Sunday that we gathered again for worship, oh, and how quickly has our country already taken that for granted, right? See, there's no, some people think that it's, it's a requirement. I go to church because it's something I got to cross off my list. I don't know what country you live in anymore, but I live in a country that there is no more cultural expectation that you go to church. Now, if I was in a church on Sunday and I went to work on Monday, somebody would ask me, hey, why weren't you here yesterday? But I, I work at a church, so it's a little bit different. <laughs> but nobody's going to ask you on Tuesday when you go to work, well, did you go to church on Sunday? No one's going to ask you that. There's no cultural expectation. And, and, and research would show you that the average person that says they are a regular church attender attends church 1.5 Sundays a month. Hebrews Chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Guys, when we neglect the gathering of believers on a Sunday morning, what we are doing is we are rejecting a gift given to us by God. When we neglect the gathering of believers, we are rejecting a gift given to us by God. And David is so thirsty spiritually because he is unable to gather in the temple and worship. That's the state of where he is. Let's keep going. But he underst understanding that, he turns to verse three and he says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. The word here, the Hebrew word for steadfast love is the word hased. And sometimes it means kindness or mercy. It can also refer to faithfulness or loyalty. But more often than not, it means, it's translated to steadfast love. 245 times in the Old Testament this word appears. 127 times in the Psalms alone. And David, knowing that, verse 3, because your steadfast love is better than life, verse 4, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift my hands. See, verses 1 and 2 are a reflection of what worship used to be like. And verses 3 and 4 for David are a confident expectation of what worship will be like again. Y'all, he's in the middle of the wilderness his son has decided to take over his throne. He's so thirsty, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to make it. He's fearing for his life. His counsel has betrayed him. And his response is worship. Confidence of future worship. I got to let you in on a little secret. Pastor Jason, when he asked me to preach today, he just said, I can preach whatever I want. 
which is very dangerous. I would much rather just be like, hey, can you please just tell me what to preach? And he's like, you can preach whatever you want. And so I'll just tell you guys, this is my favorite verse. Psalm 63.3 is my favorite verse. Some of you have a life verse. Some of you have a favorite verse. This is mine. And while I have never been physically in the wilderness like David has been, there was a time before I went all in for Jesus that my soul was thirsty. And I had chased after a bunch of things to try to quench that thirst. But then when I experienced the steadfast love of the Lord, genuinely, it was better than life. And I, and I decided I, I'm going to take this verse and I'm going to stamp it on my heart. And this is going to be my verse. So no matter what happens, no matter what comes, I'm going to be able to say, I want to be able to say, Jesus, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. In May, Katie and I celebrated six years of marriage this year. And uh, I did what a lot of people do. Uh, I posted about it on social media, right? This, this is what I posted. I said, six years. I feel like every year I say something along the lines of, hoping this next year of marriage is not as crazy as the previous one. But I'm not going to say that this time because I have a feeling it will be another crazy year. Now, this was May of 20, May 20, May 20th. Um, and I thought crazy for the rest of the year was going to look like, because uh, I had already began talking to First Hearst about coming home. Um, I thought that was going to look like selling a house, packing, moving, uh, finding a new house, starting a new job, having another kid. Little did I know what was going to happen. In on, on October 5th, probably the most traumatic thing that's happened in my adult life and Katie's adult life happened to. Uh, after many months of looking at houses, I can't even, I can't tell you how many houses we looked at, put offers on five or six. We finally found a house. And on October 5th, we went to close. And we went to the title company and we filled out all the paperwork. Uh, the title company says, you're all good. The lender fully funded the loan. They handed us the keys. We took those pictures, you know, when you buy a house, everyone takes the pictures. I bought it with a key or like a cute saying or whatever. Post it on social media because, you know, that's what I do. And the moving company, the truck pulls up to the house and we get ready to unload and uh, found out that I had actually wired all of the money to a scammer. Tells me enough of you in here didn't know what had happened to us. <clears throat> and in that moment, our world just went blurry. I didn't know if we'd ever get the money back. I didn't know where we were going to live. I didn't know what we were going to do. I thought my wife was going to go into labor. She was 37 weeks pregnant. And the world just began to spin out of control. The movers are like, hey, what do we do with all this stuff? It was, it was crazy. And in the days and weeks after that, the thing that people told us, and this is why I'm telling you this story, the, the thing that people told us, the encouragement that they gave to us was, and I, don't, I know this is going to sound prideful, I promise it's not. We're so impressed with how you and Katie have handled the situation. Where you guys are just, man, we're so impressed.
Friends, there is absolutely nothing about that that is anything that I did or Katie did. What that was was Psalm 63.3. And we said, because your steadfast love is better than life, our lips will praise you. See, his, his love is better than money. His love is better than a job. His love is better than a house. His love is better than health. His love is better than life. And Jesus is better. And because that verse was imprinted on my heart, injected into my DNA, when the tough time came, we were able to stand even on shaky knees and say, because your steadfast love is better than life our lips will praise you. And that's what David does. That's what David does here. He's modeling this for us. But Jesus shows us what the true cost of discipleship is in Luke 14. Luke 14, verse 25 through 27. It says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus isn't saying that you literally need to hate your family. What Jesus is saying is, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, I have to be first. I have to be. And your love for me has to be more than anything else. Because my steadfast love is better than life. So I can say, Jesus, you're right. Because your steadfast love is better than life, it's better than anything that I will experience. And that's what David models for us in the wilderness. The king separated from the temple. His son is trying to take over. His council has abandoned him, betrayed him. And he says, I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift my hands. Friends, this is the lesson we needed to learn. Our worship is not about our feelings and our circumstances. Our worship should always and forever be about the object of our worship. October 5th was a Thursday. On Friday, it was a long day. We called a lot of people. The FBI, Secret Service, Congress people, lawyers, insurance, everything. And on Saturday... I texted pastors Todd, Mark, and Jason, and I was like, guys, I don't think I can go to church tomorrow. People know we were closed on a house. They've been praying faithfully for us, and we don't want to answer the same question a hundred times. And we're just, we're, we're just not ready. We're not ready to be, we just can't deal with that right now. I've cried more tears in those three days than I've ever cried in my entire life. But then Sunday we woke up, and we said, our worship's not about our feelings. Our worship's not about our circumstances. Our worship is only about the object of our worship, and the object of our worship has not changed. So we came. We sat over there, cried the whole time. Of all the Sundays, to not reject the gift given to us by God, which is the corporate gathering of believers. It was that Sunday. Friend, I don't, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if it was a struggle to get here today. 
But when you find yourself in a situation where you just don't want to be around anybody and you don't want to talk to anybody and you don't want to deal with what's going on, that's not the time to run away. That's the time to run as fast as you can. Because I promise you, at this church, the biblical community is real and it's authentic. And I can stand here and say that you will be lifted up Not from a platitude, but because I know from experience. When when we were weary and felt broken, we were lifted up by the God we love and by his people. We cannot neglect the gathering of believers because when we do, we reject a gift given to us straight from God. Now, I love what David does here because throughout all of it and through everything he's going through, he continues to focus on God. Let's, if you're following along in your Bible, look how many times he just says the word you. Verse one, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Verse two, I've looked upon you. Verse three, my lips will praise you. Verse five, my mouth will praise you. Verse six, I remember you. I meditate on you. Verse eight, my soul clings to you. See, what David is doing here is he's worshiping and he's thankful for who God is, not for what God can do for him. His focus and attention is on the object of his worship, God. And God is a God who gives incredible gifts. Am I right? Those of you that have spouses in the room, that's a gift from the Lord. For those of you that are single, whatever culture tells you to believe, that is also a gift from the Lord. Your kids that you hold on to and hug at night and you love is a gift from the Lord. Your job, your house, the food in your fridge, all of it is a gift from the Lord. But let me ask you a question. If you're being really honest, is your primary love for the giver of that gift or for the gifts that he has given you? Absolutely be thankful and love the gifts that God has given us, but we have to primarily be focused on the one who gave the gift. And that's what David does here. He's not saying, hey, I know you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to get some water. He's like, I just want you. I just want to be close to you. In the midst of all of the things that are going on in my life, I just want to be close to you. Because the object of David's affection was the actual person of God, not what God could do for him. And see, when we focus on the object of our worship, it allows us to walk into this room on a Sunday morning with different giftings, with different backgrounds, with different feelings, with different circumstances, with different trials. And we can come and we can do like he does in verse four, which he says, I will lift my hands. I will bless you. Because we in unison raise one voice in worship to him. You know, we've sang that song, Gratitude, a few times here at this church. And we're actually going to sing it again today. And it says, and I throw up my hands like David in verse four. And I praise you again and again, because all that I have is a hallelujah. That's that's all we have. Every single one of us with our different giftings and our different backgrounds and our different feelings and our different trials and our different circumstances, we all walk into this room on a Sunday morning 
a gift given from God, and we raise our hands and just say hallelujah for who you are. Friends, I'm going to close with this. We as a church staff gather um, every other week for staff chapel. It's a thing that I have never experienced on another church staff. Uh, It's probably my favorite thing we do as a church staff. Uh, We meet right back here in the choir room and we sing songs of worship. We close the office, both campuses. Staff comes together because we talk about a core value of being in biblical community. Your your church staff is going to model that. And we deeply and genuinely care and love for each other, love each other. And so we come and we worship and we pray and we have a devotional and we, we, can't, like, we just bear, we bear our burdens with each other and we, we, we lift praises. We have devotional and, and one of the devotionals, uh, one of the last few times we did it before Thanksgiving was led by our awesome uh, kids, minister of kids discipleship, Kelly Charbonneau. And Kelly gave us all a piece of paper and on one part of the paper, we wrote one hard thing that we'd experienced this year. One hard, bad struggle, whatever. And then the other side of the paper, we wrote one happy, good thing that happened. And then we read Psalm 136. And I know it's long, but I'm going to read it and then we're going to be done. We We read Psalm 136, which says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights for his steadfast love endures forever the sun to rule over the day for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt for his steadfast love endures forever and brought Israel out from among them for his steadfast love endures forever with a strong hand and an outstretched arm for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two for his steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrow Pharaoh, overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Shahon, king of Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for, our, for his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, because his steadfast love endures forever. And we were done reading that. Kelly pointed out, she said, look at what you wrote down on the tough, difficult, bad side. And look at what you wrote for the happy, awesome praise 
And in both of those things, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Friends, 365 days ago, I would have never thought I'd be standing right here with you today. And I, I can look around the room. I'm trying not to focus on anybody because I might start crying. I know what 2023 has been like for you. And others I don't know, but I hope somebody in here does know what you've gone through this year. I have no idea what 2024 looks like. For me, for my family, for you, for our church, for our community, for our country. I don't know when inflation's gonna ease up. I don't know who's gonna win the election. I don't know anything, but I know one thing. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Amen. And because of that, And because of that, we will be able to, Psalm 63.3, because your steadfast love is better than life, our lips, First Baptist Church in Hearst, Texas, our lips will praise him. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, you are better. You are better than anything that I could fill into a blank. You're better than life. You are gracious you are kind. You are merciful. God, we thank you for the gifts that you have given us, for your word, that we can open it every day and be in relation with the God of the universe. That we can gather on a Sunday morning and worship you and you alone together with one voice. Jesus, your steadfast love endures forever. And because of that, we will praise you. Amen.